Love Me Deadly. The motion picture that begins where the exorcist left off. Beyond the horror of the exorcist, deeper into the occult, the most shocking ordeal ever permitted on any screen. Witness the most shocking secret rites ever performed. Ah, ah, don't cut me! Don't cut me! No! Ah! Love Me Deadly. See beautiful Mary Wilcox, a creature possessed by demons, unable to escape her inevitable doom. And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy The Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. The word is necrophilia. They're quite normal people, just with different passions. I love you. I think you love me. But every time I touch you, you turn off. Now, what is it? A beautiful child woman driven by uncontrollable passions to reject the love of a devoted husband. A woman cursed with a secret too terrible to reveal. Doomed to love only the dead. shocking film, you will witness the never-before-seen blood-curdling rites of the lovers of the dead. Chris Honeywell is an internet loudmouth. Man, oh man, I am just dying to see a good movie. Hated and reviled by his few remaining friends, he catches the attention of Thomas DJ, perhaps the world's most cunning supervillain. Ensconced in his ultra-scientific hideout, with only his robot army and stunning assistant to keep him company, DJ springs into action. What is this idiocy? Virginia used a molecular transmigration beam to bring this full to me! Virginia trains the hellish mechanism, and with a clap like thunder, and in a blinding psychedelic light, Chris Honeywell stands before his tormentor. Normally, I do not suffer fools, but I see beyond the yawning chasm of ignorance that is your brain and the endless sluice of sewage which is your mouth that they form a basic animal intelligence that I may be able to mold to my own devices. Uh, okay. Therefore, in my mercy, I offer you two choices. Instant painless disintegration, or you study grindhouse movies at my feet now! Choose! Uh, I choose not disintegration. So be it. In one month, I shall assign you a movie to watch and will summon you again. Be ready, or the consequences shall be swift and merciless. Right, but how do I get to... Now go! And thus began one of the most dangerous and unpredictable endeavors in evil sciencing. The Honeywell Experiment! Experiment. 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 <laughs>
Virginia, summon the subject. Get. Again. Again. There's got to be a way to save us from this. Again. It's not happening, man. There's got to be a way. You know, you know, no matter how many times you try. Again! It's, it's, ah! it's pointless, man. It's, it's still stuck in my head! We, we watch this movie on every timeline, man. Every single one. Oh, gosh. And I thought this was going to be the fun movie that we do usually every New Year's. Oh, this was not fun. I thought you did it on purpose because you were like, oh, as, as every New Year's, we're going to give you a little break and have something light and fun. And, and then this. And then this. This was... At first, I thought Objective. it was going to be the classic movie "Kiss Me Deadly," but it's not. Oh no, with Ralph Neeker. Yeah, it's not. No, it's not that movie. <sighs> this is, I think, objectively the worst film we have done. We have done more incompetent films. Mm -hmm. We have done um, films that are rougher to watch and far more graphic. But and this is just, this has, just puts it right in the middle <coughs> of that little Venn diagram between it being incompetent and also being really skeevy. So, Happy New Year! Oof. Have some Love Me Deadly. Love Me Deadly, a, I guess, pretty fitting topper to 2021, I guess. <laughs> yeah, because getting through 2021 was kind of like effing a corpse. Like getting through Love Me Deadly. Oh, God, this was... This was brutally bad. This was... Uh... Poor Lyle Wagner, and I never thought I'd ever say those words. He did it to himself or his agent. Well, he consent, I, yeah. consented to whatever his agent. Maybe, I don't know, maybe there was some blackmail information on Lyle Wagner or something. I don't know. It just seems like such a weird choice for him. Well, this time period was a, a heavy time period of weird choices. You know, people... Yeah, people but it was... I, oh, go ahead. I people were people were you know pushing the envelope and stretching their boundaries and I don't know I I feel like somebody pitching this movie to to say Lyle Wagner's agent or something is like saying we you know we want to step up the psycho game you know and do it this is a psychological you know a, a, a psychological horror movie about what would drive what 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 psychological conditions would drive a woman to necrophilia 
and uh, you know, and uh, which sort of what Psycho was. We don't know if there was any necrophilia involved, but he was, you know, corpse desecration yeah. and and such. But it, well, that's it, another reason why I think it it, it up the the skeevy for me is the fact that it is trying very hard to be psychologically deep and to explore Lisa Lindsay's obsession and why she has it and they get it wrong so bad yeah it 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 it, yeah it sort of fails in all the in all as far as like you know there was there was definitely a concept there but you just you yeah. can tell in the writing it's not coming through. It's it mm-hmm. doesn't know what it's gonna be, what it wants to what it wants to look like, what it wants to act like, and there's just you know and and who it, it, it seems almost as if maybe on a technical level some things went right. You know there was some decent cinematography in it and you know some mm-hmm. solid editing here and there. But the writing and is, to be fair, um, in addition to Lyle Wagner, who is the film's big get, I think he was still doing Carol Burnett at the time. <laughs> well, um, Mary Charlotte Wilcox, who I think this was meant specifically has a vehicle for, is not all that terrible an actress. But my God, this, this film makes made me feel really, really <laughs> wrong. From from the moment that um, what's his name? David, I think, is his name. The I don't remember. <laughs> it's hard to remember any of the like names except for Lindsay, and I just think of her dad. It, it, I think of her dad as Conway. I think of her dad is named Conway Twitty because he looks like Conway Twitty <laughs> and Lyle Wagner and Lindsay. <laughs> and then everybody else is like just different kinds, well, they, different kinds of creeps. Everybody's creeping right. in this movie. Everybody be creeping. Oh, Fred, Fred, the the mortician. When mortician Fred brings that male hustler to his autopsy room. Oh my god, what a topsy-turvy fucking crazy roller coaster ride of mood swings and that's that scene that scene could have worked. It's it's crazy. It's cra- it starts out I'm thinking this is sort of ahead of its time in the way it's approaching the like gay married man picking up a uh, a young guy scene you know it's not totally like ster- like stereotypical sort of thing it's it's like something out of you know like midnight cowboy or something and i'm thinking well they're being a little a- ahead of their time and and you know like sort of more realistic in their portrayal of this this is interesting and then it be- then it gets super creepy and Cronenbergy. Yeah. And then you got and which is where it. Sh- I mean, this movie it succeeds in being creepy. I don't think it does <sighs> in the way that they wanted to, but it's it's certainly creepy. 
But then it goes from being like this, like, oh, you know, and you start thinking about, like, how terrible it would be to be live, have your blood pumped out while you're alive and embalming fluid. And formaldehyde being pumped in. Yeah. Let's not forget that. Oh. And, but then the guy starts Ooh. pulling Nicolas Cage in... in Yell, you know, with the bees, the bees by yelling, my blood, my blood, yeah. <laughs> my precious blood. <laughs> so it goes from like that to, to like, you know, then the goofiness ruins it. And it's always got the creepiness as a. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and there is such a disconnect between the scenes of Lindsay and her, yeah, Lindsay having her party and Wade kind of forcing himself on her, which also is kind of skeevy, but in a different way. Right. Um, it, it's such a... And for a while, it's like there are two different movies going on. Yep. One featuring Fred and his uh, coven of necrophiliacs, and one featuring Lindsay. And every once in a while, they kind of sync up, and then they go off in their, their separate ways again. And, and this is like such a undeveloped supernatural cult. We don't know what they, you know. I, I mean, don't even think they're supernatural. Well, that's the thing the, is, well, that's, that's the thing is, you know, you see a cult in it, you think there's going to be a supernatural element to it mm -hmm. and stuff like that. But it's not. And, and, and I, I think it's totally plausible that you would get, like, if you got a whole group of necrophiliacs together, they would come up with some ceremonial thing. You know, just because of that time period, you know, it'd be like, okay, that would be something everybody could, you know, everybody could do together, yeah. you know, unless you've scheduled your private time with the corpse and stuff. But none of that's ever explained. And there is no supernatural yeah. natural element. So that all of a sudden... I always got the hint that... I always got the hint that this was... Not so much a cult as a business to Fred. That he was on the lookout for people like himself that he could provide a service to. Yep, and either either get him in the cult or, like, get him as a private client that you could possibly blackmail or something. But the, right. um, the big problem with him was casting is he was creepy, but he, like, it would have been a lot more, like, um, plausible if he was, like... I don't know if, like, more attractive or more charismatic, you know, or like less greasy. Yeah, more of a more of a seducer than just like showing up going, "Hey, yeah, you know, you want it, you know, you know, you want. I got one for you. Hi, you know." And, and considering that on the other side you've got Lyle Wagner, you know, who is the epitome of the strong-jawed hero. The the lead the, the have TV to... leading man just TV yeah, leading man yeah. middle aged, barrel chested. Mm -hmm. uh, supposedly the director was a high school theater teacher, and this was his first and maybe only film. <laughs> and uh, this was also, I guess, his first script. And the script was so bad that uh, producer Buck Edwards had montages put together mm -hmm. and 
to um, fi- there were some obvious montages that felt like some obvious post work. Yeah, that that felt like, and and those parts, for one, being just totally, completely off. They, it, it, if you do it like they were, they almost felt tonally like the sort of postmodern approach these days, where you know, it, it, it's almost parody. Where you would have mm-hmm. like that, and then and there, I think they were going for the same thing of like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna superimpose this, you know, her nor- quote unquote normal bliss with you know what's going on underneath, but mm-hmm. it's it it almost looks like it's it's like if you didn't know the subject matter and stuff, you you'd almost think this was like a made for TV movie. With 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 the pad, yeah, padded yeah, padded it's... montages and so and the light the light mm-hmm. romantic montage I mean it's comical in in this movie it is one of the yeah. only parts it isn't creepy just because it's so awkwardly comical and like and so just sta- just standardized you know I I yeah. I tried to watch it almost as a David Lynch movie sometime but it still wasn't even awkward enough for that <laughs> yeah it's uh, and, and it's kind of gross throughout um it, it may it's one of these films also where now granted it, it, it was shot in los angeles but still it's one of these films where the necrophilic cult operates so openly picking up people and killing them and if they are discovered they kill people and if people ask about them they kill them we need to come up with a name that there needs to be a name for that because that's like that distinguishes different kinds of horror movies there's the horror it's like the horror movies where the cops exist and the ones where the cops don't exist Cops aren't right. gonna, don't go to the cops. Don't talk about the cops. Don't have the cops involved. Don't have an ongoing investigation. Don't have a montage of newspapers going missing people in this small, <laughs> small community, you know, or any anything like that. Anything like that, you know. So, it's it's it, it it just operates in its own sort of dream time of where it's like, yeah, we're not even we're not even factoring that into this. It has nothing to do with the story. It's we have to focus on the psychological aspects of what would trigger an electric complex and a and a, necro, ne, a necrophiliac necrophiliac yeah it's um and i only say that because i that's like my forensic sort of what i think they were trying to do i re, but really i mean i don't have a clue yeah. you can't get a clue you can only guess <laughs> i i basically kind of agree with you i think that that they wanted to make this important statement about her mental illness that got totally lost especially considering when we get the quote unquote reason why Lindsay is so attracted to the dead. It's standard traumatic experience triggers insanity that was running rampant in 70s movies. Yep, yep. 
it's easy. It's it's a nice easy. It makes mm-hmm. sense in a movie like boom boom flashback boom. You know all yeah. the pieces missing. You boom. You have one thing that fills in all the blanks. You know so. Yeah, and there and there's also that hideous theme song. <laughs> Which they choose to play in its entirety during the film, during one of the montages. And usually, and and uh, uh, most of the music and the theme song, especially, is almost always sounds inappropriate whenever it's it's put up. Oh yeah, I mean this just hits this all the 72. creepy topic. Yeah, all the creepy topics of of the seventies in the creepiest possible seventies style, like low low budget and sleazy. You know, it it it, it mm-hmm. doesn't have. It doesn't like I, it might slip between the radar of sleaziness because it doesn't focus on graphic gore or a lot of you yeah. know graphic sex or nudity. It is a little nudity sort of, but it's like it doesn't it, it doesn't matter. It's still just the, the the subject matter does all the legwork on on grossing you yeah. out. I mean, to be fair, this was 1972, and so many low-budget films had these kind of pseudo-Harry Nielsen folk ballads. <laughs> Harry Nielsen. They were all chasing. Yeah, they were all chasing after. Everybody's talking at me. He was the ra- he was the Randy Newman of his time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and um, I I did not enjoy this this is the first time where i'm sorry i just i just regretted suggesting this film from beginning to end oh apology accepted <laughs> yeah it, this is this is the only time you're probably going to get an apology from me this was this was just it's unlike thriller where it's like a thriller is an unpleasant watch, but it's a fascinating unpleasant watch. There's stuff being said in that film, and there's there's things to take away from it that make it an interesting movie. Well, I mean, it viscerally, it viscerally as a movie makes you, uh, makes you just you're chomping at the bit for revenge by the end of that movie. You're, right. a, after after you get like three quarters to the movie, you're like, all right, there. You know, you better be movie. You better be setting up for a payoff, and it it delivers a payoff. She comes out and deli- you know delivers vengeance upon you know her tormentors in the most sadistic way. So it's like okay, you know, mm-hmm. and it takes you it takes you on a ride. This one, I mean, it takes you on a ride, but it's just sort of like being sort of sick in bed and queasy sort of ride rather than like yeah any there's no ever like i said everybody be creeping in this movie everybody's kind of creepy yeah. even lyle wagner who's supposed to be like a non-creepy character has aged from 72 to 2021 into a creepy character just by being like <laughs> the stereotype yeah. tv hunk star of of 1972 and and still he's pretty creepy in the movie too so it's just like there's nobody there's nobody really to root for unless you are the comment section in youtube under this movie 
And there no, are, I, I there watched are a lot it in a digital file. Like, they were like, I really appreciate this movie. This is a sensitive movie on on a topic that few played. And there was one, like, I, I actually noted it in my notes, a YouTube comment that was just about poor Lindsay. Every time I watch this movie, I'm so drawn into the performance and I just feel so sorry for her that she can't escape. And it's just like, what movie did you see, dude? You watch it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I... But, I mean, once again, we, we mentioned Mary Charlotte Wilcox was actually a better, I, I think, a better actor than this script deserved. Yeah, it's it's, um, it's the others. It's bad. I mean, Christopher Stone, who plays the other boyfriend, the one who almost rapes her at the top, and automatically loses our sympathy, even if he does apologize afterwards. Yeah, they always apologize afterwards pretty, in these movies. Pretty bad and pretty gross, and you know Lyle Wagner is Lyle Wagner, and you're like, what the hell? What the what the hell is? Are we going to see Mr. Tudball? Um, one can only hope. I was hoping Corman and and I mean, I mean Tim Tim Conway and Harvey Corman could have done something with some of these characters in here. <laughs> Harvey now, but uh, yes, all of a sudden we have another movie with Harvey Corman as the mortician. You know, just like mm. yes, yes. <laughs> Hello, like try, <laughs> trying to. Hello, const, hello, constable. Is like trying to. In, <laughs> I understand you might be interested in fucking the dead. <laughs> no, no, I was only um, joking. <laughs> yes, why would I say that? <laughs> no, really, are you? <laughs> it's like this, Mel Brooks's "Love Me Deadly." Um, yeah, this this was this was this was rough, um, but you know what? It was successful. It was made on a budget of forty-two thousand five hundred dollars, and it grossed eighteen million dollars. Holy shit! Yeah. So, um, it, um, Buck Edwards did uh, reap what he sowed. He got his money. So. Hooray for him. And it also amazes me that this film has a Blu-ray. I can believe it. It's amazing. They actually... Yeah, it's like everything now has a Blu-ray. Well, I'm... I'm kind of all for that because I'm not against... I, I'm kind of like... If if you're gonna... If, if you're gonna take anything that you can get your hands on and restore it and, and stuff. Yeah, go ahead go ahead and do it. Even if it's a if it's a, I mean, if it's a piece of garbage, the weird thing about Blu-ray, I mean, you know, they're not res restoring it for for archival. They they sort of are. I mean, there's some companies that I think are kind of ideological about it, but at the same time, they they're going to do stuff that they can sell or at least do as much stuff that they can sell and do some stuff maybe that wouldn't sell as much. But for some reason, if even if you're in that position, you have to pick out something for a reason, even if it's just like historic trivia reasons. Right. Th this is a weird one, though. Or maybe they, maybe it's just because you can. Maybe it's just because you could. They maybe a print turned up of this that was that never had been put through a projector somewhere and just a, was in great shape, and they're like, well, you know. 
Might as well do it. <laughs> or maybe they're maybe disturbingly enough. And if you want to be disturbed, go once again go check out the YouTube comments. There might be a big fan base for this movie. <laughs> Because there are press, press which is funny since the only time movies. I had heard about, yeah, it, which it's funny because the only time I had ever heard about this movie was a review in Stephen Pachowski's uh, Slime Time back in the nineties during the the age of the um, the newsletter, you know, the the fanzines. Yes, yes, and Scott Gardner. I just missed like uh, he sold all his slime times on on um, eBay and I and I missed it. I was I was gonna go so, go for those. Those that what a fantastic magazine that was. Well, that was a great time. That was a because gr- you had Pachowski, you had Michael Weldon, mm-hmm. who of course authored the Psychotronic Film Guide. You had uh, Michael Gingold, who later went on to become uh, edit co uh, editor of Fangoria. Had had one. A lot of people. I had one. I had a Sticky Carpet Digest. But a, a lot of people that were good writers had these fanzines. Yeah, I mean, digging into the past. I. I found out about Slime Time through Scott Gardner because we he took me to the to a comic shop in Syracuse, mm-hmm. and th- th- it was the play. It was where the guy I I don't know if we met the guy who who was, I don't know if he was working there. The guy who made it, but that was where he worked. Mm-hmm. It was like his home base comic shop. I don't know if he owned, I think he owned it. But, uh, well, he, he later, Steve later moved down here to New York. I do remember that. But, yeah, he was up in Syracuse at the time. When he, he, That's about the same time he changed the format of the book and, and, and the title of the, of the fanzine to something a little chunkier, a little more like a magazine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When, when, but, when we and were then there was, in, like, Jeff Smith. Oh, go ahead. When go ahead. we were getting it in Syracuse, it was... It was, uh, you know, your standard sort of oh. folded in half, eight by half, eleven, you know, with a, with a sort of thicker cardboard, or I don't even know if it was a. a oh no, that, that was, it was just a piece time. of colored paper on the, you know, for, yeah, and it was a hand stapled. When it was yes, when it was slime time, it was just basically a couple of sheets of paper, the top one green, stapled together. And uh, then he went into, like I said, what seemed to be like a more of a conventional magazine mm-hmm. format with, um, it was still a green cover, but it was a green kind of like cardstock cover. But um, I forget what he called it, but uh, my friend Jeff Smith over in Texas did, uh, what was it? Wet Paint, it was called. And I wrote for some of them. I wrote for I wrote a lot of stuff for Jeff. I wrote the uh, Batman the Animated Series um, episode guide for him, Spe- as well as the Tick episode guide. Speaking of slime, um, yeah, our uh, friend of the show Greg Lamberson, um, famous slime filmmaker, um, slime enthusiast, <laughs> slimeophile. Um, it yes. was on Facebook. Who's, whose picture 
whose picture, um, Guns of Eden, is going to be coming out this coming year. And we hope to have him on. But go ahead, continue. Yeah, I've been I've been stalking Guns of Eden on online, watching the pro. I by coincidence, somebody I'd worked on on a on a video shoot, um, who I friended it on Facebook at the video shoot is also working on Slime Time, so I have this sort of two pronged, or, or on uh, Guns, Guns of Eden. Eden. I have this two pronged yeah. Guns of Eden, uh, spying spying thread on my facebook where i get to see the the guy who's doing all the grunt work and i get to see well you know i mean the kind of production greg lamberson does probably greg lamberson's doing actually more grunt work than anybody else but he he was announcing right. it was either today or yesterday he was saying that he's gonna write his uh his autobiography or his you know his book about his his adventures in filmmaking so, which means we now have yes. two filmmaking friends who have written their memoirs, Three. and we'll probably have loads of advice. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah. So we need when when that when that finally happens, we need to we need to get him on. I need to get another another. I can't wait to have another book on the bookshelf of somebody we've had on the show. <laughs> so. Um... This is this was this was just I, I This left such a bad taste in my mouth that I'm thinking for the next couple of weeks, next couple of months, we're gonna just do some fun stuff. Some stuff that I've been holding back for a special occasion. Oh really? Okay, yeah, I trust that one hundred percent. Sounds good. Um, <laughs> well you know how much I like what what we call outsider cinema. Yes. Yes, as do I. As you do, and we've talked about it before on uh, when we talked about Dolomite. So I figured we'd take a look at some other outsider cinema character. I'm sorry that this episode is short. It's just it's so gross. Yeah, yeah. There's the... and it's 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 not like over the top gross like the other necrophilia film that you know about. Uh, George Buttrig's uh, necromantic, yeah, sense, necromantic, yes. Where it, it's totally unreal and totally over the top and very goofy. This is just, <laughs> yeah. This was a, a a failed attempt at at a creepy topic, and the failure itself was creepy. So it just infused it yeah. with an extra kind of creepiness. That wasn't the right. It's, it, I guess what what I'm trying to say is, it's not the right kind of creepy for this movie. Like, you know, no. in 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 over the years, directors and especially like once like Cronenberg and Lynch started like getting their influence into the, into the movies, have really fine tuned that like, actively going to be creepy. But they've coupled yeah. it with good writing and a reason for it and and all of this. And, and also, in the case of Lynch, a sense of unsurreal... Yeah. Unsurreal. Of surreality. Yeah. That kind of gives it a more open-to-interpretation feel. Yes. If that makes sense. Yes, yeah. David Whereas Lynch is almost this like... Is a sh unconscious stuff, like a lot of, you know, it's yeah. meant to be taken as sort of dream logic. 
it's also meant to be interpreted personally, which is why he is so negative when people try to explain his films or ask him about symbolism. He wants you to make up, make up your mind. Mm -hmm. But um, this was meant to be. This was apparently meant to be a straightforward feature, and it is. It's gross, but just not in the way that necromantic is gross. Where it's like, eh, look at that corpse, you know, or just like this is th that 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 trans. You know, going for the like edgy transgression. And, you know, mm -hmm. coupled with, like, that sort of, like, a little bit of Sam Raimi attitude of where, or, or you know, early Peter Jackson, you know, where you're gonna, mm -hmm. you're gonna, yeah. like, and, and there's people who do that, like, more seriously with, like, gross, grosser stuff, like, some of, like, like the hostile type of movies or, you know, the quote-unquote oh, oh. tor torture porn <clears throat> yeah. movies and stuff. But this doesn't, like, the, like the atmosphere that it's able to like build up is so mundane it's almost like the the atmosphere language of tv movies so like when things are dreamy they're... yeah or, or or soap opera yeah which yeah is kind of what those sequences are with alex and Lindsay. they're mm -hmm. very soap operatic very love story which was pretty popular at the time mm -hmm. love means never having to say you're a dead body I guess in this film, um, I, and you know what the funny thing is is I guess in a way, even though we are, I, I'm being very negative about the film, it succeeds in doing what it can't spend. Take two, it succeeds in what it set out to do. Yeah, as far as we can tell, what that is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, which is I mean, I it, it seems like it was intentionally meant to be a horror film and it does have this sense of unease throughout it's just not the sense of unease I want from watching a horror film yeah no it doesn't like I I, I appreciate when a, a director or any kind of artist can can uh, navigate me into somewhere where I wouldn't normally want to go or 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 would would go or you know or whatever but you're trusting them to navigate you there so when they do it well you could go to some very unsavory places but you know it's 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 been handled in such a way that you appreciate the you know the experience having the experience or or how the experience was presented or you learned something from it or you or it was you know a unique experience this doesn't have that you know it doesn't have that level of artistry behind it so it's 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 very awkward and it's 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 handling a subject that if if you're gonna truly pull it off, you're you're pulling a hat trick. So, you really have to have all your elements firing, and and have the people going like, "Oh my God, this is gross!" But this is really well written, you know. And and that that, yeah, that yeah. does a lot for you know critics and just theater goers. Uh, what did you think of the movie? Uh, it was horribly gross, but it was really well written and well acted and. 
You know, I've been thinking about it for, and that will send somebody else to the. They'll go like, "Ooh, they're a wimp. I can go see this movie and no problem." But yeah, I, I. The only time I would ever watch this movie again is if I could travel back in time and be a fly on the wall, and and observe people on dates watching this movie together, because that would be some prime cringiness. Go back to to one of the eight. Atlanta drive-in theaters. Oh, God, that's right, in a drive-in. Like, a couple in a car in a drive-in. And, like, maybe on their first date, and they both want to make out with each other, mm-hmm. but this movie is playing in the background. <laughs> mm-hmm. no, it, well, it was re- its first release was in uh, September 13th, 1972, in Atlanta, Georgia. And it was something like, I have, in fact, I'm calling up right now, an advert from the Atlanta Constitution. It was on a triple feature with um, Blood Fiend, which is otherwise known as Theater of Death, which is a Christopher Lee film about the Grand Guignol Theater in France. And Blood Demon, another film starring Christopher Lee, uh, where he was doing work in Europe, and it was probably just before he decided he was never going to do any more work in Europe <laughs> without him being able to do the dubbing again. Um, and it was German. That I do remember. It's a German film. But it's like, it's based, it's one of these, like, we're trying to make an Edgar Allan Poe film so people will think we're part of the Roger Corman cycle, but not really. And it, the... Um, entire bill is referred to as the triple blood trip into the world of shock, horror, terror of the year. So, um... People never yeah, use... Yeah, that was... The, and it, people never use the word shock anymore to promote their movies. Yeah. And there were five... In the initial run, there were five drive-ins... One of which only showed Love Me Deadly. So, yeah, it would have been interesting to see people react to this, because it's, uh, it's something, that's yep. for sure. Yep. So, um, would you recommend people watch 1972's Love Me Deadly? As a joke, I'll say, you should watch it out of morbid curiosity. <laughs> But, like, I really don't think you're going to enjoy it unless you maybe need therapy. Like, for... for Because, once again, read the comments underneath. There's a lot of people who are, like, identifying with the movie. If you identify... Like, uh-huh. yeah. It, okay, what I'm going to say is no. Don't watch the movie because if you're, if you're going to like the movie, you probably shouldn't have the movie in your life. And if you're not that person, yeah. you're probably not going to enjoy it. I didn't... I didn't have much. My the most enjoyment I had was like taking a, scribbling a couple notes and going, "Oh, this will be funny to talk about." Haha, ha, he looks like Conway Twitty. <laughs> it's about as yeah, good as it yeah. got, you know. It, it, it's not yeah. even it's not even bad enough to be funny, you know. Like there's sound like there's sound problems with it, but they're not funny. Like there's the closest thing that comes to like sort of amusing is there's a funeral scene. And there's a shot of cars, um, you know, pulling in one by one. And it's a, literally a held shot where like, maybe like seven or eight cars go by. And I'd been noticing, 
like I could hear some of the looping of the way they were looping mm-hmm. things over and over again. And they just looped the same sound of the same car going by. And they're obviously <laughs> all different makes of cars and different sizes. And everyone just did the same exact noise as it. And I could see the guy going like, I only have, there's only one of these cars that sounded good <laughs> in this whole, yeah. all this audio. And I guess I'm just going to have to loop it. And that's about the. But I, I think its it competence has a film. It's because yeah, if it, it's it's competent, it's it's not. Oh, we've forgiven far are, worse, you know. Sin, yeah, you know, exactly, exactly. You look at go back to our review of uh, the boss, otherwise known as Boss N word. Yeah, um, or or Dolomite for that matter, where and. Those films are truly incompetent. It's 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 funny but that you they have. Oh, go ahead. I got oh, go I ahead. got. Uh, uh, it's funny that you mentioned that because today, for some reason, I pulled off the shelf my a book I've had for years, and I didn't think to think about it when we were watching these movies. But I have a book on black exploitation movies that's basically. Mm-hmm. It's 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 a, a collection of great glossy pictures and posters. And then it sort of mm-hmm. segments it by directors or actors who were big at the time. So you get like there's a whole Fred Williamson section, and I lo- looked up Boss N Word, and next to it was a Fred Williamson and Richard Pryor movie. And uh, oh yes, Adios Amigos. Adios, uh, Adios Amigos, and uh, um. I was like, that exists? And I look at it and I'm like, that's even yes. pre, pre-Blazing Saddles? You know, I'm like, okay, I'm going to go look this up. And I found it on YouTube and I, and I was like... You will never I was, get that song out of your head after you watch I, it. Because they play it over and over. At every single moment. Adios, amigos. <laughs> Uh, all I know is I got my dinero. Is as I was watching it, whoever was like mm-hmm. the sound and the editing work on there are the the are the like fattest edit and sound cuts of any student film I'd ever seen. You know, like it was, and, and I was like, I don't know if I can watch this because it stilts all the scenes. You know. Because there's always a little yeah. pause before conversation and action starts because the editor, for some reason, isn't cutting into the action. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't know if I could watch a whole... And it was, as I was flipping through it, the scenes looked like individually, like interesting scenes with lots of like improvisation and stuff. But I'm like, I don't know if I could... I was like thinking, I, I, I might uh, try to cheat and like see it and try to lobby lobby thomas on this movie and i'm like oh and i would go hell no because i've seen it before (laughs) (laughs) seen it no no we are not going down that hole um it's bad enough we went down this hole well i i Um, also was like well you know if this was a gem it's got richard Pryor in it i would have probably i i hoped i would have heard about it by now it's the same sort of uh, argument you can make for, like, Dynamite Chicken. It's like, well, Dynamite Chicken features Richard Pryor, but nobody talks about it. There's probably a reason Right, for it. right. So, um... Yeah, 
So, um, to kind of wash the taste of this film out of our out of our mouths, I figured we'd go into outsider cinema and take a dip into the ovier of one of the first female directors in the history of filmmaking. The f one of not not the first. Um, I just if there I, was I, a way... I think I know who it is because there's you know okay there's female filmmakers and then you say outsider. Yeah, if we were going to talk about the first female director, that would probably be Ida Lupino, who was a genuine badass, and her yeah. movies are great, and I recommend everybody go and seek them out because they're these cool film noirs that were done for Poverty Row Studios. But Every no, time you're no. reading a Hollywood biography and someone tells their Ida, Ida Lupino story, it's one of, always a great story. <laughs> Hey, hey, like I said, she was a legitimate, a legitimate badass. She wanted to make movies. And she hung out with the directors when she was making movies as the ingenue. And asked questions and learned. And when they didn't want to give her movies to make, she said, fuck you, I'm going to go someplace where they're going to let me make movies. And they're good movies. But anyway, enough of that. Same cannot be said for Doris Wishman. Yeah, I knew it. <laughs> yeah. Um, Doris Wishman, um, next time on February, we will be talking about one of the classics of the, what they call, used to call the nudie cutie genre. The second film that uh, Wishman directed and co-wrote um, a uh, little epic, a sci-fi epic, in fact, with boobs. We will be there, watching there are... Nude. Yes. Yes, my little lab monkey. There's going to be boobs? Okay. Yes. I thought the, the uh, shouldn't the um, boobs have been the well the, I guess there were boobs this month but they were not happy boobs. They um, were not happy boobs. No, no, no. It's like I found it interesting that they built up to, they built up to the the a Mary Wilcox's full frontal shot. But by the time you saw it you were like no. No, don't do it. Yeah. Yep. No. Yep. Don't do it. You no. got it all wrong, exploitation guys. They, they, they teased it, it at wrong. the beginning with with uh, her and Wade, but uh, it's it's anyway. But yes, we'll be watching Nude on the Moon. It's short. It has a plot that could probably be summarized in a sentence. Ah, uh, it's summarized it, it, in the title. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And um, it has another original song, sung by someone who actually became se semi-famous in the '60s, which I'll tell you about. And uh, I hope y'all like uh, stripper boobs. Yes. 
I, yeah, I'm sure you do because you're. A I'm paying artist. attention. I hope the stripper boobs are paying attention. If you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um, until next time, I've got a couple of other ideas as to what we could do over the next couple of months to get our smile back. To cleanse the palate. To cleanse the palate, get our, you know, and just feel more comfortable doing what we've been doing for the last it was in three this is our fourth year isn't it some yeah 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 so it's been a long time all right pick up your space helmet of the way out and go oh thank god finally the first time i enjoy being transported word is necrophilia. They're quite normal people, just with different passions. Don't cut me! Visit our website at twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. My dead body. Uchleniuma. Chespokututa Krista Krenko. Ya Oscar. Yes, I bet you have.